It's time to go into auto reverb with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week we're going auto reverse on Flaming Groovies. Uh, these, this band is close to my heart because I found out about them when uh, I actually lived in the Bay Area. Um, mm -hmm. And was uh, the Flaming Groovies were unknown to me, a little boy from Ohio, actually fairly large, uh, overweight got boy from Ohio. And You were overweight then? I, dude, when you have your parents telling you you should walk, run around the block, even if you don't look overweight you feel overweight so but that's 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 a session for a therapist who's probably who's probably going to looking for a second house right now he's different, gonna make different me, podcast yeah different podcast. <laughs> auto reverse on, on me am i crazy podcast yeah exactly um so he but he played this um he played uh teenage head for me and i was like what the fuck is this I'm like, is this like, and literally thought it was some sort of a uh, Rolling Stones offshoot of some sort, or, you know, like early Stones. Um, maybe because you have bad speakers, but that's how I kind of, I was like, is this the Stones? He's like, he's like, and he kind of looked at me, he's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? It's Flaming Groovy. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> bad speakers, though, are like, make a band seem really, like, interesting. But, There's you know, that word again. <laughs> right. Hey, there we are. One down. Two more to go. <laughs> We're going inside jokes galore already in this show. I know. Already. Already. So, um, what about a piece of rye bread on that? Huh? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but it, I think kind of like the pretty things, like the Flaming Groovies is one of those bands, like I, I kind of kicked myself that I didn't kind of at least have a better sense of uh you know when, until i got learned about them which was in the 90s and teenage head and you know they were they still carry a pretty like everyone who was uh, bay area people always talk about the flaming groovies and it was always a band that i think even when they kind of got back together um you know created a lot of excitement because their albums well they don't have a deep discography i mean they got some great albums yeah, they have they have, their discography is is ample. It's not like it's not a huge uh, uh, studio uh, body album of work, work, but studio, it, studio yeah, it's not, a, it's, it's not huge. But it, but that's because a couple times they've had issues with their labels that have delayed records by a couple years to a year here, two years there, and um, there was that whole time in England when um, what's his name was uh, record uh, producing their records. Um, Oh. The, not Nick Lowe, uh, the guy from Rockpile. Oh, Dave Edmonds? Dave Edmonds. So there's like some lost years there. And they're also like this band that two things, I'll say. Okay. First of all, they were so weird uh, within the context of the Haight-Ashbury scene because they yes. were technically part of that scene, but they really were, they almost yeah. seem more, I, I, there's a more street-ish no, uh, I think. Uh, what is it? What is it that makes so, them so different from the, uh, the uh, like the Jefferson Airplane and the so, Grateful Dead and stuff? No, so Grateful Dead. And here's how what I feel the difference is because they're you're right. They they began in like '65 or something like that when the guys they met in high school and got a band together. And actually, their original uh, the guy who he hooked up with Cyril Jordan, who is the 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 mainstay of the band, the guitarist. 
uh, he got together with uh, Ron Greco, who, um, if you don't know that, if that name seems familiar to some of you, he went on to play drums in the formidable San Francisco band Crime, which is one of my favorite bands. But back to the Flaming Groovies, they were more like Jefferson Airplane and uh, Grateful Dead or more what I call side-to-side rock, where your head goes side-to-side. Flame and Groovies are back and forth, up and down. Like they have more, like, like a more of a high, how more potent of a sound. You know, they have a little bit more thrust. You know, um, they're mo- It's just a little bit. I wouldn't say aggressive, but it's a little bit. I don't know, hot wired kind of sound. Um, and that, I think put that them on a little bit more of the outside of, of uh, you know the the the, the other the Sanford, quote unquote San Francisco. This band because of the you know when you look at the band in terms of you know Cyril Jordan being kind of that mainstay but I think that he's kind of the driver of that sound because they kind of you know the playlist that you put together kind of kind of shows what their the true the true um, you know greatness of the band um, just because they get they you know they get kind of put in that psych rock category which I don't know if it's really too fair because they seem to be a little bit more than that at least like especially like with the point you're making, like comparing them to Jefferson Airplane, Grateful Dead, um, like they don't, they seem sort of a little bit outside of that. Yeah, that's why I'm saying they they were like kind of the the uh, you know the odd duck in the in the Hit Ashbury scene, you know. Um, and also their band was very much a product of uh, the other guy. What's his name? Roy Looney. Yeah. Yeah. So I think was Roy the more rockabilly country one and Cyril was the more British invasion well, power pop one so the way I, I thought that the way at least the stuff I read it, and it sounds like a guitar playing he's uh, Cyril's more like like Chuck Berry influenced mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like more the rockabilly rock right uh, yeah um, maybe it was Roy that was the more power pop British invasion because if you listen to some of their later records uh, like shake some action and all that stuff. That's more like power pop, you know. Like yeah, uh, so yeah. so there's that push and pull of two guys, and then and then like I think at some point one of them left and then came back, right? It's I a, think it was yeah, I, Roy. Roy, yeah. Roy so Roy. um, so 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 that's the thing. They were oddballs in this hippie psych hate Ashbury scene, but then there was this constant struggle to pull the band in one direction or the other and then which this i found to be incredible so in 1976 they played a show with the ramones and the stranglers that's considered like the 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 flashpoint to the punk movement in um in england so the original 1977 punk punk like explosion sort of ripped off that you know came right off of that show at the roundhouse in london that's i'm and i'm getting a little ahead of ourselves i'm getting a little ahead of myself because that came later in their career right so they were sort of like the the vanguard of punk also which is really it's super interesting that they were like in between all these different scenes which we love bands like that that yeah you know like you know that bridge all these different things yeah, because, you know, all these bands that came through San Francisco, like I read that, you know, they've opened for Cream and Eric Clapton and uh, 
and Cyril got became buddies uh, to the point that where he says that he's the first person that ever gave acid to Clapton and I guess Ginger Baker. He had to be led to the stage because he just didn't, he couldn't see or something like on those levels. But anyhow, the point being yeah. is like they were, you know, a fairly you know fairly hot shit in San Francisco to the point where if you're opening for Cream, you know you're not doing that bad because Cream was at one point like the the, the most popular band in the world, or even over the Beatles. I think I was just watching that uh, Eric Clapton 12 Bar. I'm kind of surprised mm -hmm. I'm actually watching it, but I watched it, and it was actually pretty interesting because it took like how their trajectory, Creams was was really anyhow, getting getting off topic, you know. No, but you're leading right into the next thing that I wanted to mention. I mean, this stuff is, I guess, knowledge on the internet, but they were managed by someone that was also booking the Fillmore East, so they, I think they made, they moved out east at some point, um, and. And the, the guy, so they would play shows like with this, like early Stooges lineups right. and Alice Cooper band, MC5 and stuff. Uh, and I think that sort of helped, helped shape their sound too. If you think about it, it gave them a sort, sort of harder edge that um, a lot of their contemporaries didn't have. Yeah, I mean, to your point about the, the first, you know, the kind of the push and pull of them, it's like the, it, they, there is kind of a, kind of a departure once you, you know, from those, kind of like the, the vibe of the first three albums, um, and then when you get to um, Shake Some Action, it is much more, um, you know, I was, you know, maybe power pop, I guess, but yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. different. It's definitely different from it, like Super Snaz and te especially Teenage Head to, to mine. Yeah, it's like Super Snaz is kind of a all over the place, not co super coherent record. Then Teenage Head and Flamingo, or I mean Flamingo, are super like Teenage Head's one of the best records ever. And yeah. so that and Flamingo are such great records. That's like a that's a coherent and very like singular vision. And then they did the whole period with. Um, Getting his name again, the rock pile. My, my, my mind's Dave Edmonds. No, Dave Edmonds. Sorry, second time today on this one. It's funny uh, that you so, remember Rock Pile, but you don't. Yeah, because I, I don't know why it's easier to remember his name for some reason has been really get getting away from me. Uh, even though I played his like yeah, first record well, the other day. Yeah, uh, did you text him, Dave um, El Mundo? Well, I did text you, Dave Edmundo, which was, <laughs> I was like. He has a show on Telemundo. Um, so, so, uh, so his the, the stuff that he did for them was also sort of distinct. That's that song "Slow Death," yeah. which is a really a killer song. And then, and then came "Shake Some Action" and um, and these other albums that were definitely more power pop. So, the, you know, yeah, they they it's just a band that started in one place and finished at another. You know.
listening to the music, like, and also getting reacquainted with it, uh, that you did a good job, a really good job on the playlist, is like, I forgot like how well they crafted, like they crafted a lot. They weren't like a one note or type of style. They they could play around in styles pretty well, and they, you know, the lyrics and you know are very catchy. Um, you know, and first song I heard from from them was Slow Depth, and the reason I liked it is because that that slide that's little slide riff. Just, that's right that, dude that just grabs your attention every 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 I time. know it's so cool it's so catchy and hooky and it's like uh, offbeat a little this bit is hard. Yeah. this is hard this is hard but it's like it's hard and sweet you know at the same hard salty and sweet it's everything it's all the different tastes in one song they I mean yeah it's they're they're great and and then and then I, and even like dive diving deeper on these guys i didn't realize that greg shaw from bump records was um managing them at one point in 74 oh, 75 oh, really? so maybe like they're yeah so maybe they're mid-period right around when like right after slow recording slow death and i guess greg shaw who i've met before because uh, he put out all the brian jonestown massacre records before i put those records out and i had met him right around the time when we were transitioning he was already in his 50s i think at the time and he passed away only a few years after that and he was interesting he did all these like weird comps for sire and was a and uh seymour stein you know thought he was with it and so he really so he gave seymour a lot of ideas on things to sign and one of the things that he convinced him to sign was was um flaming groovies in this mid-period um and you know and helped and just helped help them uh, you know achieve this new burgeoning kind of it's like the 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 harder edge stuff uh, like the uh what do you call it um the harder edge stuff of the psychedelic movement right. the more like kind of garagey kind of stuff like uh shadows of night and uh the seeds and bands like that that's the stuff that greg was really into and by managing these guys at that time, he kind of just folded Flaming Groovies right into that scene. And I think one of his first records that he put out on Bop was a Flaming Groovies single. So, um, you know, it, I, it's just like such a great transitional thing because it's like sort of like also you could throw the Velvet Underground in there too right, right. as another band that kind of helped bridge all these um, these scenes but then was also were smart enough to know that that's what was happening do you know you know what i mean yeah, like the yeah, flaming groovies were were um were on top of it enough enough to know like yeah we should we should now get managed by greg because this is going to help us transition into the next phase of the band and and they were not afraid to be themselves and sort of in a weird way underground even though they were on major had been on major labels and stuff they were just one of these bands that, that could they could work both you know both tracks right and i yeah i think that there's you know what they were on epic and then they were on capital and they were on yeah they were on uh they were on let's see how it works so they were on super snaz came out on epic and right. that was they were dropped immediately after that and then teenage head and flamingo came out on i think it's Kam, uh, Kamas, kamasutra records right. uh -huh. which was sort of an indie but put out a lot of killer stuff 
and they were that was owned by like some mafioso guy that label um uh, whose name i'm forgetting he was like a jewish mafia guy he owned that label oh yeah and uh, yes and i think there was issues there and then they had a hard time getting out of that contract but then they were able to get out of it and then they went to england and got signed to ua to, uh the a label that was big there and they started messing around with dave Evans and made some singles and stuff but then ua said f it we're not we're not um we're not going to put any of this stuff out you know we all we did was pay for the 40 for, for the singles and then that's when greg shaw took over as manager put out a single on bomb and then got them signed to sire where they put out two or three records with seymour stein yeah and it never it's never seemed to kind of kind of break through you know and I, you know, it's yeah. You, you kind of understand it with their music because it's not really you know. Even when they're trying to be pop, it's like their pop stuff is good, but it's not outstanding. It doesn't really cut. It doesn't really. It's it's, inter, it's entertaining, but it's. I don't think it's really has anything. Like I really like the, like like you said, like Teenage has just a remarkable album. Um, one of the best. Yeah, one it, of the best albums ever. Yeah, is that in the top fifty? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Right. It's filling <laughs> I know you up. like to make fun of me that you think thousand records. Uh, it's filling up. But uh, but it's it's one of those. It's and it's funny yeah. the way I got turned on to uh, uh, to uh, Teenage Head and. Well, and, yeah, that's um, what I was going to ask you next. Actually, that was my next yeah, question. Yeah, I the, the the way I got turned on was I, when I when you know the days when we had TP down at uh, on Lawrence Street. Oh yeah, you remember those days oh, fondly. Very fondly. <laughs> well, when I was in there, I had a friend that worked for some music uh, publicity company that was nearby and for, and on like Smith Street, right? And he would come by and, you know, hang out, drink beers or whatever. And he would occasionally bring promos of the stuff they were working on, right? And most of it was I didn't care for, you know, mm -hmm. every once in a while he'd bring something I like. But there was, I guess they were in charge of all the Kama Sutra reissues of different bands. Oh, and wow. two, and he handed me a big stack, and a lot of it was good. But I remember seeing the Flaming, uh, um, Flaming Groovies, uh, Flamingo, and Teenage Head in there, wow. sealed. And I unsealed them, played them both, and it was you know like when you play a CD or a record, and you like play it, you don't say anything, then you play it again, then you play it again, <laughs> and then you're like, this is really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it becomes you know, it's like seared in your in your mind that's what happened it was one of those aha moments where i was like how did how did this get past me you know all these years and this was like 98 or something or 99 and um and then and that's when i just went down the rabbit hole and found their lps the originals and you know found the copy of super snaz uh still missing some stuff but just you know really got into them and started reading about them and um you know that was it and they, you know i was hooked yeah that was like when i fortunately i had a friend dennis smith who was really big into flaming groovy so he had maybe about four of their albums and we were roommates so he I, you know we he would play that often so i got to vent i you know he turned me on to their stuff and i, I just i you're right it was like whatever i was doing teenage head would come on and i was just like okay i'm gonna listen to this and whatever i was working on or doing it just had to kind of go by the wayside because it's it is it it's it's, it's kind of grabs you in a way that 
then like you said like good music like some of the best music it's not even really demanding that you listen to it it's like you have it's like it almost makes it like non-negotiable you just have to it's like you just got to be quiet and fucking listen to it and i like like you were saying like that experience of hearing teenage head and and I didn't, Flamingo was okay, but like Snooper Snaz I really like. So like listening to those things, and I shake some action. I actually like that album too, and <clears> for <throat> different reasons, but yeah, it doesn't really compare to Teenage Head. And it's kind of like the band, I, re, I really kicked myself in the ass because when they were, I think it was uh, Lonnie and Cyril, Cyril Jordan were, got back together and they were like open up for Yola Tango and a bunch of other bands and to, doing tours. <clears throat> Like, I didn't go see them, and I forgot, you know, I don't know what the hell I had going on, but, you know, I really want, I, I, I've seen on, you know, on YouTube, they, you know, they seem like a pretty fun band to see live as well, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's, it's an experience, they, they put out enough stuff to where it, it, it makes me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you met, we both put Flaming Grooves on our list, but you made a really good playlist that kind of, put me back in touch with what I really like about this band. They were the ultimate Nuggets band. Yeah. Except that they produced it. more than one or two great songs. A lot of the Nuggets bands were really good, but produced, you know, a couple of amazing songs. And then the rest of their stuffs were like covers of like Gloria and shit. You know, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but these guys were, would, were a perfect band like that, like Nuggets, but elevated themselves to the point where they made a lot of music like that that was and and uh, and in the in the case of teenage head they made the perfect nuggets type record where it's like cool country song ripper you know like this like they there's just so much kind of r&b ish it's just like it's so cool um it do you know what i mean it's like they they were like to me they were like they had a masters in that shit you know like they knew how to how to put it together i think why they suffered um is because of what we just mentioned this sort of stop and start with their career and labels and different managers and then i also think like they were still too um authentic um sound you know and and by doing the sort of rock and old-timey rock and roll thing in the 60s and 70s that might have came off a little bit dated even though to me it's not like the cramps to me aren't dated yeah but they made records in the 80s right so it was like easier for people to accept that old-timey thing making a comeback funny enough is like i was reading this uh interview with uh, cyril jordan and i, I want to read this quote because it's kind of it kind of it's kind of in some ways exp- explains a lot but he said that the world has never been ready for the flaming groovies uh we're not the kind of band that had billboards mostly of what we were concerned about was art and we always had the attitude that if you care about us or you like us, that's great. And if you don't, who cares? Which yeah, which that's that's, that's mad authentic. That's mad authentic. <laughs> that's mad authentic. But that, it, it really is, and that's why they're and that's why they're awesome. That's why they're on the show. This this could have been a first episode for us. It's like oh, that's yeah, how yeah. good they are. It could have been first, third. Uh, no, and, they, and 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 I was and I love when me and you are like yes, you know what I mean. There's no discussion back and forth about the pros and cons, or am I really into this, or you know, you were like yes, you know well, that's it, yeah, it's that's it, a great sign. It's a very and it's a very shareable band. It's like that's a band that I've shared with a lot of other friends who never heard of them, and they always they always appreciate it because it's you know like my friend Dennis did for me. I was like 
people who I know that like, uh, you know, any who appreciate music, like like that's a band that they, you know, you, you turn them on to it, they they thank you for it because it's it is it does it's a really, you know, they're cool they're they're very cool. They have cool they have cool songwriting, have cool lyrics. Um, you know, I like the guitar shit as always. You know, they put they put they put together a good tune. So yeah, uh, they put a nice package together. They, and they look do. Cool. They look cool. Like you see the pictures of them, and they're different they're different looking dudes, and kind of like not wearing a uniform necessarily. They're just like kind of street. Yeah. And I love I love that like street hippies. You know, it's just like. And then as they got into their career, their hair got a little shorter. They kept the sunglasses on and. You know, like more. No, they had to do looking, looking more like uh, what do you call it? What's the guy that, um, um, the guy that does? Uh, oh man, oh, I can't boy. believe this today. I'm lost today. Who, who are you going for today? Who is this guy? <sighs> Our, uh, Colonel Sanders. He made he made rockabilly records, and but then he like kind of invented uh, um, flange on the guitar. Uh, God. Ronnie Dawson? No, I don't know. No, he had like a surf sound to him. Oh, Dick Dale? No, you're close. You're close. He had black hair, Link like Ray? Pompadour. Link Ray, yeah. Yeah. So they started looking like Link Ray later, and it's just like, I know. I, it, how long did that take? 15 minutes? That was Jesus awesome. Christ. No, that was well worth it. I... <laughs> Leave it all in there. I don't yeah. care. Uh, and then, um, and, you know, so like they, they, their image, their music, the total package was just, it was just so good. And, and it's it's great now too. Like there are things that I miss missed on them, like singles and songs. And it was great to redo the pl playlist because I was able to listen to those songs for the first time. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. like d d like they added this like uh, like sort of extra um, uh, material on the Teenage Head of the Flamingo record. I can't remember, or maybe both uh, on the CD. And there's all these like kind of instrumentals on there that are really cool and like kind of surfy R and B. And I'm like, you know, that's like, it's so cool that you could, after like over 20 years of listening to a band that came out 50 years ago, right. That you can still find stuff. Yeah. There's a, speaking about the look, like if anyone wants to see what they look like, there's a video of them playing slow death on TV in 1972 that you can find and if you can't find it let me know and i'll send you you know send us an email and um, we'll send you a link uh happily I'm, happily you, send you a link because it's kind of a cool video you might have to send me one too well, if you, I'm, but, but I've seen it. there's no pre there's no preferences so you need to send me an email and then i'll send okay. you a link you know let's keep everything an or orderly process here tony okay um, okay you got it but um yeah you know I'm, i hope you guys like the playlist because it is it is something that is uh captures the band perfectly um and let us know you know auto reverse pod at gmail.com facebook or instagram let us know and uh yeah give us a give us a holler let us know what music you want to hear what band you want us to take on and you know we'll we'll take it on because we're we're two wild and adventurous motherfuckers. crazy guys yeah crazy guys <laughs> All right. Well, until next All time. Right. Peace.